time, give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a wonderful presence of God we feel in this house here tonight. Amen. As was mentioned, it's good to have the Saunders family. Uh, we've, we've, we've known each other for a while. I think I spent more time out there in San Jose than anywhere else in the country. Practically lived there for about two years. And, and so it's good to see you. Enjoy your vacation. Tell your pastor, greet him for the for Apostolic Revival Center. We love uh, First Church, and we love that uh, group of people in Jesus' name. We love you, Pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. It is such an honor to have evangelist Brennan Claiborne and his wife with us here tonight. Amen. I've had the privilege of knowing uh, knowing them for several years, and, and we got more and more connected when we were both Trapped in the South, hallelujah. There's just something that will bring you together about being trapped in the South, too. West Coast folk from uh, the blessed coast, the best coast, being stuck in Swampville, hallelujah. But amen, I'm just kidding. If you're from the South, we forgive you. Amen. No, but it's it's such an honor to have them with us. I'm believing God's going to do great things in this revival. How many wants to see God do some miracles, signs, and wonders? How many wants to see God touch and fill people with the Holy Ghost? Amen. And that, that comes down to our responsibility during this revival to make sure we're praying, fasting, seeking God. But also make sure you grab some cards in the back, invite people out to the house of God. And then also make sure you grab some of those VBS flyers. If you know any kids, you got neighborhood kids, uh, they're, they're bored during the summer, so bring them to church. Amen. We want the man of God to come and preach the word in Jesus' name, God bless you. Take your liberty, Brother Claiborne. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. You can be seated just for a moment. Amen. Well, I uh, just make a few remarks. First, I want to say thank you to Pastor Hood for putting the microphone cover over the microphone. Amen. That's, that's the first order of business right there. Amen. I think he's the only, only pastor that has done that for me so far, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> Amen. He's, he's looking ahead, thinking ahead. Amen. In all seriousness, though, I do want to um, thank him for, of course, the invitation to come and be here with all of you and uh, to preach to this wonderful church and to get to worship with you and see your smiling faces and get to know you more over the course of this week and this revival. And, um, of course, not, not just the invitation, though. I do want to thank him for uh, his friendship as well. Amen. And uh, um, I, I know I'm not, uh, I know I'm here because for whatever reason he, he believes I should be here. Amen. And so I'm honored and flattered by that. He doesn't just, um, you know, invite me just because I'm a friend. Amen. For whatever reason he invited me, it's because he feels to invite me. But I do just want to say that I am thankful as well to get to be his friend. Amen. You have a great man as a pastor and a great first lady for your pastor's wife. And we are thankful to know them. Amen. We are so thankful to have them as friends in our lives. They've been a blessing to us in conversation. Of course, their ministry, their preaching ministry. And, and uh, so appreciate um, sisterhood as well. And uh, remember when Brotherhood got married, I was excited to meet his wife and and was just glad that when we met her, we realized this really is his better half. Amen. He, he found the right one. Amen. And uh, I can relate. It's a, it's a search. It's a journey. You've got to make sure you find that right one. And I, 
I searched for mine as well, and it took me a few years, but I found her. I kept her, and we've been married for about a year and a half now, so I'm so glad to have my wife here with me as well. Amen. Amen. We were uh, preaching in Bakersfield, California last night, and we woke up this morning and jetted over here, hit some traffic, construction, all that good stuff, so we're flying in by the seat of our pants, but we made it, and we're happy and glad to be here, and uh, I don't want to put her in the spotlight, but my wife has an incredible ministry of her own, and <laughs> she's giving me the glare right now. Uh, uh, she, she has an anointing on her life in many different ways, and one of those ways is singing and music ministry, and so we, we amen, that's all right, that's appropriate. Um, so due to us uh, just flying in here tonight, uh, she won't be singing tonight, but uh, in Jesus' name, she'll be blessing us in song on Sunday and Wednesday as well. Amen. And thank you to the music team. Uh, what tremendous music you have. What passion, what anointing. Amen. That was tremendous. That was tremendous. Amen. I do want to turn to the word of the Lord uh, here in just a moment. Amen. Uh, my bishop sends his greetings. Bishop Larry Booker uh, from Rialto, California. He sends his greetings. Amen. It's so good to meet Elder Bobo. Amen. I have not yet got to meet Sister Bobo, but I know his son, Pastor Scott Bobo, and preached for him before. And so, so, so neat to get to make your acquaintance. Amen. And I look forward to getting to know uh, the rest of this church, all you wonderful people after service. Amen. How many know God can do anything? How many know God likes to, uh, he specializes in the impossible? Amen. He specializes in doing impossible things. Amen. How many know he can do impossible things on a Wednesday night? Amen. On a Sunday, on, on any day of the week, there's nothing too hard for God. Amen. How many know that's true? Amen. 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 I want to I wanna just ask this question, and this is, this is uh, different. It's not what I typically do. Amen. But if you, if you are someone in this house and you need a miracle in your life, I want you to just raise your hand. You just be honest. Man, you need a miracle. Amen. Tremendous. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. If you need a miracle in your body, I wonder if you raise your hand. Amen. Thank you again for your honesty. Amen. If you are someone here and you have not yet, keyword yet, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with that beautiful supernatural evidence of speaking in other tongues, and you would like to receive that, would you slip your hand up at me? Anybody? Amen. God bless him. Thank you, brother, for your honesty. Amen. Raising his hand with a smile on his face. Number two. Okay. Tremendous. Thank you so much for your honesty. Amen. I just believe, I just, I just believe in, in, in starting this, this, this thing out, just believing that God can do absolutely anything in this house tonight. Amen. And so... I do want to turn to the word of the Lord. Thank you for your honesty. I know I don't know you yet, but there, we just got to know each other a lot quicker. Amen. And that's awesome. Amen. We're going to turn. Let me pull up the proper scripture here, the proper version. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 32 through 40. The book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 32 through 40. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you get to see me tonight. Amen. You, 
can repent at the altar for being so conceited. Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Amen. Acts 2, verses 32 through 40. This is, of course, the Apostle Peter preaching. And he says, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, the promise of the Holy Ghost. He then says, He hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's a heavy statement. That's a heavy burden to put on people. And thankfully, these people that were listening here responded the right way because the Scripture says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked. Amen. That word uh, means convicted or it means acute emotional distress. They were very distressed about what Peter was telling them. And they were pricked in their hearts and they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, he gave them the gospel message summarized right here. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. How many are thankful for baptism in the name of Jesus for the removal of your sins? Amen. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward or this perverse generation. Amen. One more scripture reading. I'm just going to throw this in there. The book of James chapter 5, verse 15. The book of James chapter 5, verse 15. Amen. And then we are going to jump right into this. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Amen. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Amen. What I want to talk to us about tonight is the difference between a possibility and a promise. The difference between a possibility and a promise. If you'll remember in the passage we read, Peter talked about the promise of the Father. He said, for the promise is unto you, your children, to all who are afar off. There are some things that God has promised us. And God's promises are not possibilities. Amen. But his promises are yea and amen. They are forevermore. And so I want us to put down our Bibles. I want us to lift our hands, lift our voices. And let's just make sure one more time that every distraction, that, that anything that could stand between us and God is moved out of the way tonight. That's it. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I extend and lift my faith unto you right now. God, not my will, but thy will be done. That's it. Let him hear your faith. Let him hear your prayer. That's it. That's it. He loves to hear that. Yes, let your faith rise. Let your faith mix with your brothers and sisters' faith around you. That's it. Yes, yes, God, there's nothing too hard for you. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. We trust you. We praise you. We love you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, that's it. That's it. He loves to hear that. Why don't you lift your voice and put your hands together for Jesus?
Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. In your mighty name, you may be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. Excuse me. When the woman with the bleeding disorder that we can read about in Mark chapter 5, when she approached Jesus, she had no idea what was going to happen to her. She had experienced excessive and prolonged bleeding for 12 years, and the doctors could not help her. Experts today say that the disease was very likely von Willebrand disease, if I'm saying that right, or VWD in short which occurs when the blood lacks a certain protein that helps the blood to clot, and therefore it results in excessive or prolonged bleeding. Scripture tells us that this woman spent all of the money that she had trying to get better, but instead of getting better, the condition grew worse. To complicate matters further, there were Jewish purification laws that rendered this woman unclean and unfit for society because she was in a constant state of bleeding that she could not help. So not only was she sick, she lived in a constant state of suffering and shame. But one day this precious woman heard that Jesus, the great teacher and healer, had come to her city. She talked to herself to build up her courage, and she kept repeating to herself inside of herself, if only I could just touch him, if only I could just touch him, I believe that I will be healed. When she reached the area that Jesus was, uh, there was a large crowd surrounding Jesus, as there usually was. People that were curious about him. Maybe people that did not really have much need for him, but they wanted a free spectacle and a free show. So there was a large crowd surrounding Jesus. In order for this woman, this desperate woman, to get to Jesus, she had to push through the crowd surrounding him to get to Jesus. And she did not know if she would be pushed aside she did not know if she would be rebuked for being in public. She did not know if she would be chastised for touching Jesus because she herself was so unclean. All this woman had was hope. All this woman had was a possibility. Amen. If I could get just a little more monitor, if it's available, that would be great. If not, no problem. This woman acted upon the possibility, and she came up behind Jesus, and the Bible says she touched his cloak. And instantly, the Bible says, the bleeding stopped. And this woman felt and knew in her body that she was healed of her disease. The Bible says that Jesus knew at once that power and virtue had gone out of him. And the Bible says that Jesus spun around and he said, who touched me? And this woman with fear and trembling fell at his feet and said, I am the one who touched you. Jesus looked at her and responded and said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease forever. This woman approached Jesus, excuse me, on the basis of possibility, but she left with power, and she left with deliverance. I've come to remind someone tonight that the people who approached Jesus in the New Testament, they did not know what would happen to them when they approached him. When Jairus approached Jesus, a man named Jairus approached Jesus to hopefully get his little daughter healed, 
He did not know what was going to happen to him and himself and his little daughter. When the Syrophoenician woman, who was not a Jew, approached Jesus to have her demon-possessed daughter healed, she did not know what was going to happen to her and her her demon-possessed daughter. All she had was a possibility. All she had was hope. What about the blind man in John chapter 9 who, who had Jesus rub mud in his eyes and was told to go wash in a nearby pool and his vision would be healed? He had no guarantee. He had no promise that anything good or a healing was going to take place in his life. None of these people that I mentioned knew that they would get their miracle. All that they had was a possibility of something miraculous. They did not know. They had no guarantee and no promise. But the difference between us today and those in Jesus' day is that while they only had a possibility, we today have a promise. We have something that those people did not have. We have their stories recorded. We have a New Testament. We have the doctrine. We have the promises, eternal promises of God written down in this book for us that tell us that the Holy Ghost is a promise and remission of sins is a promise and healing is a promise and provision is a promise. We don't have to wonder like those people used to wonder because we don't have to live on the basis is a possibility. We can trust and live and breathe on the basis of God's promises. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give them praise. Hallelujah. This is why Peter did not say, for the possibility of the Holy Ghost is unto you. This is why a young man who raised your hands a minute ago, he did not say, for the possibility of the Holy Ghost is for you. He said, for the promise of the Holy Ghost is to you, to your children, and to all who are afar off, all the other generations that are going to come to pass. I've just come to remind someone a simple message tonight. While those in Jesus' day had no choice but to wonder what was going to happen, we have the luxury of knowing what will happen because we have a promise and all of God's promises are perfect and true. They are yes and they are amen. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God spoke it, if God said it, it will come to pass I don't have to preach wondering if maybe I'm just preaching Brennan Claiborne doctrine I I don't have to preach wondering what's going to happen or, or if I'm preaching truth or if it's okay to preach Holy Ghost and is it okay to preach healing and is it okay to preach miracles yes I know it's okay because it happened in this book and God promised it that it's going to happen to us because he said greater miracles than these will you do greater miracles will you perform than what Jesus ever performed and let God be true and every man a liar if God promised it it's going to happen we don't have to wonder if we're good enough or qualified enough we don't have to wonder if our lost loved ones are are ever qualified or capable of receiving the Holy Ghost if they seek it and they want it and they're even just a little bit hungry God can come down and fill them you don't have to scratch your head and wonder is that person can he be saved can she be saved anybody can be saved that wants it because God's salvation is a promise not a possibility 
The only way that we could go without having salvation if we ourselves choose to not have salvation. Amen. God promised salvation to us. He promised power to us. He promised healing to us. He promised that we would receive the Holy Ghost if we want and ask for it. He promised us that we would be saved if we are baptized in his name and filled with his spirit. So maybe you're in this church and you've been baptized and you've been filled with the Spirit. But sometimes whether it's due to your past or condemnation or whether it's due to God forbid mistakes maybe that you might be making, you often doubt that salvation and you often doubt even though you've already experienced salvation, you doubt, well, I don't know if that was real. I don't know if God can really love and save a wreck like me. Yeah, I know I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I know the blood covered me, but I just messed up and so God's probably going to cast me away, right? God's probably going to send me to hell right no that's not how it works god's not looking to ditch any of you god's not looking to leave any of you he made a promise to you he said if you would get baptized in his name that his blood would cover your sins so if god forbid if you mess up you've got a promise all you got to do is repent and mean it from the bottom of your heart and he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness it's a promise no matter how you feel, we cannot live according to our feelings. We must live according to knowledge. Every morning when we wake up, we might feel a little bit differently. And if we all live by our feelings, we would be on a constant perpetual roller coaster. We can't live according to what we feel. We have to live according to what we know. And what we know is that when we've been saved, we are sons and daughters of God. We are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. And we are set apart for God's purposes. We are not weak. We are not frail. We are not unforgiven. But we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. I know this is simple, and this is meat and potatoes and cornbread tonight. But I've just come to remind somebody that the promises of God are real and true. The Holy Ghost is not so weak that it comes into your spirit. And the next day when you might have a thought that you shouldn't have, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost disappears just like that. The Holy Ghost is not as, as frail and flighty and wishy-washy as the human relationships that you've experienced. Maybe friends and family were quick to walk out on you and quick to, to love you based on your works or love you just based on what you did or didn't do. But that's not how the Holy Ghost works. That's not how God works. His love is not conditional. His love is a promise, and it's unconditional. God's not looking to leave any one of you. If you make a mistake or you're battling some things in your mind, put them down at the altar. Trust that God is still with you. He's not against you. He's not far away from you. He is right there near you, with you, by you, in you. The Bible says it's Christ with us and Christ in us. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but maybe you've been suffering some condemnation. Maybe you've been doubting the promises of God. Maybe you have not put your trust in God's salvation enough. Trust in what happened to you. When you went down in water, your past, present, and future sins were washed away. When you were filled with the Spirit, you were claimed as one of God's own. And he signed those adoption papers. And adoptions never happen on accident. He did not accidentally accidentally adopt you he did not adopt you just to send you back to the orphanage come on God made a promise to you when he sealed you with his inheritance with the guarantee of the Holy Spirit and because you are saved if you're if you are here and filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in his name you have the promise of heaven 
You have the promise of eternity with Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm thankful for God's promises. I'm thankful that I can stand on those promises. I'm thankful that now that I'm saved, death is not my foe. Death is my friend. Now I know, God forbid, if something happens to me, I know where I'm headed because I have a promise in him. God forbid if something happens to my family members who are saved, it hurts. I, I'll grieve, but I can know where they're going because God gave us a promise of heaven and salvation. Amen. Matthew 19, 26 says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God, thing, God all things are possible. Amen. Now, we don't know always what God is going to do or always what he wants to do. Anything is possible. There are many possibilities. If, if, if you were to pray for, for a brand new neon green Ferrari and say, God, I really want this car. It's a possibility that God would give it to you. I personally doubt it would happen because I think God sees that there's probably more important things that you need in your life than a green Ferrari, but it's possible because God can do anything, right? It's a possibility. There are many possibilities. We don't know if you're going to get the car or not. But when it comes to the promises in the Word of God, when, when it comes to the Holy Ghost, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to healing, when it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to God's power and God's provision, He does not operate in possibilities. He operates in promise. You don't have to wonder whether or not these things are going to happen. You don't have to wonder whether or not God's going to take care of you or whether God's going to fill you or whether God might heal you or not because he said these things are going to happen. He said if you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things that you need will be added unto you. Amen. That's the red letters. That's Jesus giving you a promise. He said don't worry about what you'll put on. Don't worry about the food that you'll eat. Don't worry about what's going to happen to you. I will take care of you. And if you trust in me and trust in my promises, everything that you need will be added unto you. Don't put your faith in the world. Don't, 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 don't put your trust in institutions and elements of society and people that cannot help you because you're so afraid and you're so worried. Well, I just, I just don't know if, if the, the rent's going to come this month, so I've got to do something dishonest to get that money. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't know if this is going to happen, so I've got to kind of cheat or, or manipulate my way here and there to get to it. Come on, uh, the struggle's real, and, and, and we, 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 we've got to hustle. We've got to, no, you've got to trust. You've got to trust that God will provide for you, that God loves you, that no matter what you've gone through to this point, he's never left you or forsaken you, and he's not going to leave you cold and naked now. Amen? How many know this is true? You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. You're right. I don't, but God knows exactly what you're going through. And guess what? It's not over. You're still here. God gets the final say. And you're not going to be in this season forever. You're not going to be in this place that you're in forever. You're not going to be in this place of pain or torment or confusion forever. Because God made promises to you. You are his sons and his daughters. And he will not leave you or forsake you. He said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Come on, these are his promises. These are God's promises. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your promises. Amen. What did he say? I, be I, I believe it's in Luke 12. I, I could be wrong, but throughout the Gospels, obviously, that's where uh, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. 
And before that, he has this whole, this whole thing where he says, fear not, little flock. He, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, which of you by, which of you by, 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 uh, I can't remember the specific Bible word, but, but it translates, when you look at the word, he's saying, which of you by overthinking, which of you by taking thought, that's what the King James says, can add to your stature one cubit? Which of you by taking thought, by worrying, that's what he's talking about, can accomplish anything in your life? And that's why he goes through this whole passage about not fearing and not worrying and about trusting him and trusting in his word and his promises. And when you look at that word taking thought in the original language, it can literally translate in what we would call it today as overthinking. Come on, I know there's some overthinkers in the house. There's one right here with my hand raised. Which of you by overthinking? Which of you by constant stressing? Which of you by analysis paralysis, just sitting in your chair at home in fear, shaking, not knowing what's going to happen? Which of you by overthinking, running that scenario in your mind over and over before it's even happened yet? Which of you by that constant fear, not, not, you don't even have evidence that it's going to end up as bad as you think it is, but you're just replaying the worst scenario in your mind over and over again, and you're overthinking, and you're going down every Every negative path in your brain you can possibly go. Which of you by doing that can accomplish anything? Which of you by overthinking can do anything positive? Instead, what we all must learn, myself included, is to put that aside and say, God, I'm going to trust. When those voices start to come and that overthinking starts to come, I'm going to trust in the promises of God. It's not a possibility if you're going to take care of me. I don't have to wonder or worry whether or not God is going to take care of me because he made me a promise. I'm going to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. When things aren't going well, I'm going to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. When I don't understand, I'm going to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. I'm going to trust in the promises of God. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter your background or where you come from or what you're dealing with or, God forbid, even sins that you might be wrestling with right now. Jesus still loves you. His promises are still true. He did not say his promises were just for the perfect. He did not even say that my promises are just for those that from here on out live a perfect, sinless life. That's not what he said. In fact, my Bible says, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall. In other words, there might be times where I fall. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Come on, you don't have to be perfect to get God. God will make you perfect. Hallelujah. And I know I'm preaching to some saints that have lived for God for perhaps a long time, and you know this is true. It does not matter where you come from. It does not matter what you're battling with or what you're dealing with. Amen. God, God is for everyone. God's promises are for anyone that would reach out and receive them. Hallelujah. Amen. I remember uh, not too long ago, well, last year sometime, a few months ago, amen, uh, uh, in, well, it was on the West Coast, and I'll just say that, on the West Coast, and uh, we were preaching somewhere in a church, and a man, we'll call him, uh, we'll call him Kevin, that's not his real name, amen, but he walked into the church, and he had been attending the church for a few, a few months now, and Kevin was struggling with what people now call transgenderism. Amen. Kevin was had a real battle on his hands. 
In fact, Kevin was struggling with it so much that Kevin almost got a sex change. Amen. He was married uh, uh, to his wife, and he had uh, at least two kids. I believe it was two kids. And he was, he was struggling, he was wrestling, had a lot of problems, a lot of dysfunction, and he was this close to making that decision to have a sex change. And his wife left him because of his, uh, uh, his struggle, and she left him to raise his two kids by himself. Amen. Thankfully, uh, uh, he, 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 did, he went back on that decision, and he was not sure, and his wife's decision to leave him shocked him out of it a little bit, but now he was left with the consequences. Now he was left with the fallout and the burnout, and with two kids that He's trying to raise on his own as a young dad with all these other feelings and struggles inside. And so this was not a person that felt good about himself. This was not a person that had a lot of confidence. I'm sure this was a person that often struggled with suicidal thoughts because transgenderism and suicidal thoughts are usually uh, closely intertwined, amen, because it's, it's, a, it's a struggle and a depression of the mind, amen. And so he never felt good enough. But just a few months ago, amen, I'm happy to tell you that Kevin walked into an apostolic church that we were at and Kevin was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the very first time speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave him the utterance you say why are you telling me that story I'm telling you that because you should have seen Kevin's face after it happened he was shocked he was overwhelmed he was amazed that God would fill someone like him he had heard of the Holy Ghost before he had heard of speaking in tongues before but he never thought uh, that God would give it to him he was amazed that he too could have that experience but even though he was surprised we were not surprised because the Holy Ghost is not a possibility the Holy Ghost is a promise. Oh, I wish somebody would praise him right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And let me just say this for whoever needs a refreshing or whoever's not familiar with this. Amen. Let me just remind you that God provides proof of the promise. Let me remind those young men, God provides proof of the promise. And that's why in Acts 2 and 33, Peter said in his sermon that Jesus poured out the Spirit that you both see and hear. There was a phenomenon occurring that they were seeing and hearing, and the only way for them to know that the Spirit had been poured out is because there was an observable sign, which was speaking in other tongues. And it was as the Spirit gave the utterance. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you will know because you will speak in a heavenly language, in a heavenly tongue. It will come out of your mouth, and you will not be able to control it. It won't be your native language. You don't know what you're saying. But this is how it happened in Acts 2. This is how it happened in Acts 10. This is how it happened in Acts 19. This is how it happened in Acts 8. This is how we know that God has filled us with His Spirit. Amen? And it wasn't made up. It wasn't forced. The 120 that received it were probably just as shocked initially as all the people around them were. They were just told to go wait for the promise of the Father. They were told that it would come out of their heart like a flowing river, but they didn't know it was going to come out of their mouth like a flowing river. So they were probably just as shocked and surprised. But it was God giving the utterance. And just as today, we don't have to fake the Holy Ghost. We don't have to. We, we, we ought not. We don't even have to go there whatsoever. I know there's some churches out there that say, just repeat after me. That's not how we do it here. It's as the Spirit gives the utterance. It's a supernatural occurrence. You will be speaking in a 2,000-year-old heavenly language that you've never learned before. Amen. I just wanted to say that for those of you maybe who... Who, uh, who don't know or we're just refreshing our memory. Amen. I know I'm speaking to people that know what this is about, so we may talk about that again on Sunday. Amen. But we know that this is the promise of God. 
And this is the sign of the promise. Amen. I want to point out as well that if we want to receive what the apostles received, whether it was the Holy Ghost or power or the miraculous, we are going to have to pray as they prayed. Amen. I, I don't believe that, that it, I'm not making a point by saying that when we pray for something, it has to take six months. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a principle to be extracted here. And in the in book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says that when the disciples went to the upper room in Jerusalem, they continued steadfastly in prayer. And there was a period of about seven to ten days between Christ's ascension and then Christ coming back down in spirit form, pouring himself out on Pentecost. There was about seven to ten days. So we don't know how many days for sure, but we do know that the disciples prayed and tarried for multiple days before receiving the promised Holy Spirit. Because honestly, when it comes to the promises of God, we don't have better things to do. We don't have better things to do than to get in the presence of God, than to experience His promises and be with Him and immerse ourselves with Him and immerse ourselves in the kingdom. We don't have anything better to do than to, than to live for God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. So the Bible says that, that, that they, 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 they waited and they did not wait on a possibility. The reason why they could wait and not fear and hang out for seven to ten days and why they could all be there and just keep praying is why. Because Jesus said it was a promise. And they said, I can take that to the bank. If Jesus said it's a promise, I'll be in this house all day long praying until this thing gets poured out because Jesus made me a promise. You said, wow, well, that's not very convenient. Well, I hate to tell you, but the apostles were a lot more concerned with consecration than they were with convenience. And if we want to see more, and I'm preaching to myself as well, we must be willing to be inconvenienced. If we want to see more of the promises of God, we as Christians must be more concerned with consecration than with convenience. Come on, I'm preaching to myself just as much as anyone else. I want more. I want to experience all of the promises of God that he has outlined for us. Amen. Amen. So because Jesus told them in Acts 1 and 4, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, they did so and they received it. We must be willing to put all of the distractions and the weights aside and pray until the promise. I don't know what you need or what your need is, amen, but if we're willing to just set everything else aside and pray until the miracle comes, amen, God's going to show himself to us. There is nothing greater than the presence and promises of God. And he wants to save us. He wants to fill us. He wants, if, if we're in this place and we need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. And we just, we just wonder, well, I don't know if that promise is for me anymore. I've made too many mistakes. I've messed up too many times. That's a lie from the devil. The promises are still real. It's still yes and amen. He wants to renew you. He wants to fill you. He wants to save you. He wants to heal you even tonight. Does anybody believe that with me? Amen. I'm moving quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm closer to being done than you might think. Amen. Just remember in Acts 2 and 4, the Bible says that all of them were filled. It did not say that some were filled and others were left out. And that lets us know that God wants all of us to be filled. That lets us know that when Sunday comes and there's more people here that need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, God wants all of them to be filled. And we are going to push and we are going to pray until we see all of them filled because it is a promise. And no matter what we've done and no matter what those people have done and no matter what the visitors and the guests have done, amen, God's 
promises are greater than their past. God's promises are greater than our past. The potential is greater than the past. Hallelujah. Amen. We must believe that with all of our heart. His promises are for everyone. His promises are for us. Amen. His promise was just as real. Amen. I, uh, I talk about this story often. It's one of the, my, my favorite things that God has allowed me to see and experience. The promise was real for, for a 67-year-old man named Steve. Amen. Who was a retired nuclear physicist. And Steve used to work on bombs for the government and used to work with nuclear energy. Fascinating man. Amen. But I, I, I think the nuclear uh, stuff that he worked around finally caught up with his health. And now in his late 60s he's in a hospital bed amen with a tube down his throat because he could not breathe on his own and his brain is foggy and and he's not looking good and the doctors are not giving him much hope amen and so this happened in tampa florida i was preaching there at a home missions church and his daughter uh, uh the, the daughter of steve who was sick she knew the pastor that i was preaching for not not well but she knew of him and she knew that he had a church in the city she didn't even live there amen but she came into the church one night she was not a christian definitely not a pentecostal she was shocked when she walked in and saw all the people jumping and shouting and praising. But she said, this is, I, this is all I've got. I don't have anything left. We've tried everything. And so I'm going to go to this crazy Pentecostal church on the corner. And I'm going to go talk to that crazy ADD pastor over there and have him pray for my dad. Amen. So she came in that night and she said, Will you, she was sobbing. Will you please pray for my dad? He said, yeah, we'll come tonight. She said, you can't come tonight. Visiting hours are closed for anyone but family. He said, okay, we're going to anoint this handkerchief with oil. We're going to pray over it. You take it to him tonight. Put it in his hospital gown. And we believe that by the morning, amen, good reports are going to come. She said, okay, I'll do it. She did it that night. Monday morning, we got a call with an excited daughter on the phone that said, you'll never guess what happened. Overnight, he rapidly improved. Now that breathing tube is out of his throat. His mental clarity is strong and very good. The doctors are amazed at how well he's doing and how well he's talking. This is, this is awesome, Pastor. You've got to come see it for yourself. Amen. So we said, praise God. I mean, he, he's, 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 he's still in the hospital bed. He still has to have a little bit of assistance with, with breathing. Amen. But he's so much better. And the nurses were amazed. And the nurses had never seen anyone receive their mental clarity that quickly after being uh, uh, intubated for that long. And so everyone's just happy and amazed. We said, okay, we're going to come to the hospital and visit him and meet him and pray some more. Amen. Because God started the miracle and we believe God's going to finish the miracle. Amen. So we, uh, we went to the hospital. We got there, and Steve was such a kind man. He reminded, he kind of reminded us of a Cornelius, amen, a man that was, was good and moral but did not know the Lord, amen. And uh, so we were there. We were just going to talk with him, catch up, and pray. And before we could even offer to pray, Pastor Hood, amen, all of a sudden it's like he knew when the Spirit of God entered that room. And Steve, who was not a Christian, at least not a practicing one, closed his eyes, and he, he just stopped the conversation in mid-sentence. And he closed his eyes, and he held out his hand on either side of the bed signaling that he was ready to pray like hey I know what you came to do and let's get this thing going right now so pastor took one hand and I took the other hand and we started praying for Steve and he closed his eyes and he started praying sincerely the next thing we knew that heart monitor started going off because Steve's heart rate was increasing it started beeping quicker and quicker and I thought for sure that we probably were killing Steve amen I was worried I was afraid I thought the nurses were going to come in and shut the whole thing down 
Amen. But thankfully that pastor was not uh, uh, deterred at all. His eyes were closed and he was just speaking in tongues as loud as he could in that hospital room. So I thought, okay, if he's doing it, amen, I'll, I'll do it too. We'll keep praying. Amen. And I realized pretty quickly the reason why Steve's heart rate was increasing is not because he was dying, but it was because the spirit was entering into his heart. And as I looked closer, I saw Steve's mouth started to tremble and started to shake. And as we listened closer, a beautiful heavenly language started flowing out of Steve's mouth and he was filled with the Holy Ghost on his hospital bed for the first time in his life at 67 years old. Don't tell me that God is not a God of promise. Don't tell me that God is not a God of miracle. Don't tell me that God is different now than he used to be. Don't tell me that God cannot do the same miracles that he used to do right now in 2019 in Carson City, Nevada. You say, why are you so worked up about all this? Because I believe it. I believe that it's true with all of my heart. I'm going to stand on the word of God no matter what my eyes see. My faith sees what my physical eyes cannot see. And even if I've prayed for something a million times, just like Abraham and Sarah prayed for a baby bunch of times, and they could not see that it was possible with their own eyes. When God said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I promise you, I'm going to give you a baby, Sarah laughed at him. He she laughed at that promise because her physical eyes could not see it. But thankfully, Abraham started to believe that promise because he decided, I am going to have faith. I am going to let my spiritual eyes take over, and I'm going to let my spiritual eyes see and believe what my natural eyes cannot. Faith is seeing the impossible. Faith is believing and knowing that the miracle is going to come to pass just as God said that it would. Amen. If it can happen for Steve in a hospital bed just a few years ago, if it can happen for Abraham and Sarah several, several years ago, it can happen here in Carson City, Nevada in 2019. Amen. But we've got to be willing to look beyond. We've got to be willing. Amen. When the Bible says that Abraham had faith, what it means is that Abraham, when it says Abraham believed God. Amen. What, what, what it says is that, what that means when you look that up is that Abraham acted like what God said was going to come to pass. It was not just, I believe you, God. It was not just a little mental assent. When it says that he believed God. It means that he began to act like God's promises were truly going to come to pass. If we trust and believe in the promises of God, we have to start acting like it even before we see the promise manifested here on earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I have not seen, and I know I've, I've preached a little longer than I intended to if the musician could come. Amen. I, I have not seen all of the miracles that I want to see. I'm young. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things I'm praying for that I want to see. I'm trusting in those promises. But I have seen enough to preach this to you and to stand on his promises and stand on his word and know that anything can happen here on a Wednesday night. And if you've got the faith and your faith mixes with mine and my faith mixes with yours, amen, an explosive potential is here in this apostolic church tonight. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slow or hesitant to fulfill his promise. 
He is not slack to fulfill his promises. Some count slackness, but he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not slow to fulfill his promises, and he's certainly not going to neglect his promises. He's patient with us, not wanting that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So can I just throw this in there as well for those lost loved ones that you're praying for? I know that ultimately it's their decision. God never takes away our free will. But one thing that you can trust in and one thing that you can stand on is that God is patient with that boy. But God is patient with that girl. And he does not want them to perish even more than you do not want them to perish. And his utmost desire is that they should reach repentance. And he has given them a promise that if they would even just reach out and have faith the size of a mustard seed and even just get a little bit hungry, God's going to come down onto the scene. You can trust that even though that person is not living right right now, God is there behind the scenes. And I, oh, Jesus, hallelujah, as they're walking into that club, I don't know where all this is coming from. This is not in my notes. But as they're picking up that beer bottle, and man, as they're putting that cigarette to the lips, and man, Jesus sees them. He's standing behind the scenes, and he's not going to force himself. But what they're doing grieves him, and he's there moving with them. Yes, even in the bar. Yes, he's still there watching, waiting for a sign of repentance. Yes, even when they're in the club, even when they're living in sin, God is there, not willing that they should perish, but just wanting them to reach repentance. We've got to trust in the promises of God. We've got to trust in the Word of God. And he keeps his promises. He's a man of his Word. Literally. This is why the Bible says in John 1.14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The promise that he had ordained before the foundation of the world, he made good on that promise. He put skin in the game, literally, because he said he would. He kept his promise all the way to the cross and all the way to the grave. Because the promises of God are yes and amen. If God said it, it's going to come to pass. I believe that God can heal bodies in this place tonight. I believe that God can fill people with His Spirit. I believe that God can renew people in His Spirit if it's been a long, long time. I believe if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, if you go down in water, He already promised that when you come back up, all your sins would stay at the bottom of that tank. It's a promise. It's a free gift. It's a free promise. It's for whosoever will. It's not a possibility. It's a promise. We don't have to wonder like the people in the New Testament wondered because we have their stories recorded for us and we know what will happen if we approach Him. We know the Bible says that if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. We know the Bible says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obscene mercy and help in time of need. It's a promise. And it was a promise, and I'm done. This is the final thing I'll say. Why don't we stand all over this house? Hey, man, thank you for your attention. The promise was just as real. In Bangladesh, the nation of Bangladesh last year, the promise was just as real there. When, when it began to rain in Bangladesh on the beginning night of an apostolic crusade that was taking place in that nation, the promise was still real when, when, when on the first night where they were gathering busloads of people from around the area to come to this, this, this grassy area with no covering where they were going to preach for several nights, preach the apostolic truth and see how many people could be saved and baptized and healed. An apostolic crusade in Bangladesh. Amen. And on that first night it began to rain. 
The conference had not yet started, but there was still a lot of people that were gathering in. And the preachers, the apostolic preachers knew that if it began to rain, that all their efforts for that night would be in vain. And they were trying to gain momentum. If, if big things could happen that night, then they would tell their family and friends and the crusade would keep growing night after night. But if they got rained out on that first night and they, they were caught with egg on their face, then they didn't know what would happen the rest of the conference. So they were, they were worried. And, and I had a, several friends that were there, and one of them accounted the story to me and told me that there were a group of Muslims there as well, obviously people that don't believe in Jesus. And, and they, uh, they are, are, believe in Islam and, and serve a different faith than what we serve. And they were there, and they were in the crowd, and there was a smaller group of them, but enough to be intimidating. And they were watching the preachers talk and huddle and run back and forth and look at the clouds. And they said that that group of Muslims began to laugh and began to chuckle, just getting a good show, a good spectacle out of these apostolic preachers that were freaking out. Amen. Thankfully, there was one preacher that was there with faith. There was one preacher there that remembered the stories in the Bible. Remembered the stories about the, 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 the prophet of God and the prophets of Baal. He remembered the promises of God. And so he went and took that microphone, and he did a very bold thing. He said in that microphone to all those listening, to the Muslims that were listening, he said, you see that it's raining. If it rains tonight, we cannot have this crusade tonight. He said, but listen, I'm going to pray that God would stop the rain and part the clouds right now. He said, if I pray and the rain stops, you will know that the God I serve is real. If I pray and the rain does not stop, Please feel free to leave and serve whatever God you want to serve. So that man took the microphone and began to pray passionately in the name of Jesus that the rain would stop and the clouds would part. And I'm happy to tell you just a few seconds after he began praying, the rain stopped. The clouds rapidly moved to the left and to the right. And a beautiful rainbow was instantly formed over that campground. And I have a picture of it on my iPad to prove it to you. I'm happy to tell you that because the proof of the promise instantly showed in the sky over the campground, just a few moments later, 30 Muslim people were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues because they saw that the God of the Old Testament and the New, the God of the Christians, the God of Israel was real and was powerful. They saw the proof of the promise and they realized that the promises of the Christian God are still real and still true and after that conference that crusade was over over 5,000 people were filled with the baptism of the spirit and many 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 people baptized in Jesus name I've just told you that story to remind you that his promises are real and there's no reason that it should happen over there and not here or anywhere else in the United States his promises are true and God wants to pour out his power and his promises here tonight I need somebody to lift their hands and believe that with me come on I've already preached too long but why don't you let your faith rise right now Come on, the promises of God are still real. Whatever you need tonight, whatever kind of miracle you need, God has got it for you. Come on, come on, come on. We're going we're gonna to do something here in just a minute, but I need you to pray right now and just lift your faith. 
Come on. At the beginning of this revival, why don't we stretch our faith if nothing else happens but our faith greatly increases and we step into another dimension of faith, then that's a wonderful thing. Come on. Come on. Let's stretch it. Let's believe. It's not a possibility. It's a promise. Hallelujah. I want you to keep the spirit of prayer in this house. But if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you've never been filled, or if it's been a long, long time and you need a renewing, please come to my left side. If you need the Holy Ghost or you need a renewing, please come to my left side. If you need a healing in your body and you are in pain right now or you need a healing in your body, please come to my right side so I can know who you are. Hallelujah. If you need a healing in your body, please come to my right side. That's it. Gather in. Come close to make room. There was a few people that had their hands raised. That's it. Go ahead and come. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. If you need a Holy Ghost to renewing, come as close as you can to the left. Everybody else, you can come and gather in in the back area of the front right here. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus in your name. Here's what we're going to do, all of us. For those that need healing and those that need the Holy Ghost, we're going to repent of our sins right now. We're going to repent of our sins right now. Amen. That's the first step that Peter said. We're going to make sure everything's clear. We're going to make sure our heart is right before God. You don't know what repentance is. That just means it's, it's, you're, you're sorry for your sins. You ask God for your for forgiveness. And you make a commitment to turn from your sins and turn towards God. Let's repent right now. Come on. That's it. Go ahead, young man. From the oldest to the youngest. That's it. Let's lift our voices and let's just tell God sorry right now. Jesus, I'm sorry. That's it. Have that personal conversation. Everybody, we're all doing this. God, I'm sorry for everything I've ever said, everything I've ever done, everything I've ever thought. God, I give it all to you. That's it. Just talk to him. I don't want to live the way I used to live. God, I, I give that to you. Come on, that's it. I, I give the sins of today and I give the sins of yesterday to you. Please forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Please forgive me, Lord, for everything I've said and everything I've done. That's it. Oh, that's it. That's it, young man. Go ahead. Come on, with your eyes closed, with your eyes closed and your hands raised, no distractions. That's it. That's it. That's it. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to pray a simple prayer over you. There's nothing, there's nothing magical or special about this. It's just a simple prayer that I'm going to pray. Amen. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus over you because the Bible says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I've spoken that prayer for everybody that needs healing and everybody that needs the Holy Ghost, I'm going to just shout the word hallelujah. The word hallelujah just means the highest praise, the highest worship. And when I shout that word, I want you to shout it with me. And I want you to just keep shouting it and keep declaring it. You say, why do we do this? Because we're worshiping God. That's how we receive the promise. We just worship him and put our trust and our faith in him. Okay? I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to shout that word. You're going to shout it with me. And I believe healing is going to take place. And the Holy Ghost is going to fall. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the authority of the Word of God, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind doubt and I lose faith. I bind sickness and I lose healing right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command the cause and the effect of the sickness to be gone. I command the sickness to leave and to never come back again. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Be filled in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, in Jesus' name, hallelujah.
That's it. Keep shouting it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. Shout it in faith. Hallelujah. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed right now of all pain in the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. That's it. I command sickness to leave. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Shut up. the promises of God. That's it. God's doing something. God's breaking chains right now. He's breaking chains of unbelief. He's breaking chains of sickness right now. 